Well, we welcome our live stream audience uh, to the service tonight and those of you that are here tonight. We just pray that uh, your ears are open. Say, my ears are open. My heart's prepared. I'm ready to receive the Word of God into my life. And I'm open. I'm teachable. And I'm subject to change. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't know it all. But you're going to learn some more tonight. Amen. Praise God. Well, we've been uh, ministering uh, on the encounters of the God kind. How many of you know God wants to get glory and honor for everything that's going on? In the midst of chaos and confusion, he decided to extend his hand out. Our apostle said that this is the year of God's hand being extended out to us to do the unusual. Amen? The unusual, the extraordinary, supernatural provisions of life. The Lord wants to bless us in our spirit, our soul, our body, and our domestic needs. He wants to take care of us tonight. And tonight we're going to look at a couple of encounters. They're all familiar that I'm going to share with you tonight, but... You know, we can always get something out of even the things that we've read before, that we've seen before. Uh, I learned a long time ago that if you'll uh, open up your Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, He'll teach you new things out of verses that you have seen and read umpteen times, but there's something new in it. That day there's something new in it for you and I. Open up your Bibles, if you would please, to Second. Timothy, chapter number 3, and all the scriptures I'm going to use tonight are from the King James Bible, not that it's any better than any of the other renderings, it just happens to be the one that I have. If you have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, which is what I have, uh, 1 Timothy, Chapter 3 is on page 1266. Yours may not be that way, but that's where mine's at. And I just want to bring something to your attention that's already been brought to your attention. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. How many of you know that we are living in the last days? There's perilous times, things going on, just as was given to Matthew whenever he inscroted in chapter 24 and 25, talking about the last days. We are in the last days. It's going to be a horrible thing for the earth, but it's going to be a wonderful thing for the church. This is the church's greatest hour. And so you and I need to be expecting God to do the unusual, the extraordinary, supernatural provisions in our life. How many of you know Jesus has taken care of everything? There is nothing that he left undone. Over 2,000 years ago, whenever he said, it is finished, it was finished. 
Satan lost his reign. He lost his rule. And Jesus stripped him of the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Did you know it takes faith to live? It takes faith to die. And it takes faith to enter in to the eternal realms that God lives in himself. Eternity. He has promised you, if you believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the shedding of his blood for remission of sin, then you have the right to live in eternal life. How many of you know that when a person leaves this natural life, if they are born again Christian, they've accepted Jesus as their Savior on the premise of what God has told us to do and to be, uh, and accept that provision in life, then you will step out into eternity and you will never die. That's a sobering thought. You just live on. But you live on at a higher degree and a, and a greater understanding. You'll step out and you'll move at the speed of thought. That'll be an awesome experience. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, we need to be preparing ourselves for that great notable day of the Lord come. We need to get excited about the rapture. We need to get excited about if we're in latter years of life and Jesus tarries a little bit longer and you go by the way of the grave, that you'll step out into that extraordinary provisions that God has made for you. For the Christian, it's a happy time. It's a joyous time. It's all of a time of rejoicing. I know that, you know, that funerals are not for the one that has departed. Funerals are for the one that are left behind. How many of you know they take nothing out with them? When they leave, when, they're, when they give up their life uh, and surrender it in faith to the Lord and he takes them on home, they're gone. It's days afterwards that we celebrate. And there's nothing wrong with that celebration time. How many of you know we need to have some closure? We need the closure, but at the same time, we need to understand that for you and I that are alive and remain, it's still a glorious time while we're still here on this planet Earth. Not that we don't have opportunities, not that we don't have challenges in life, not that we don't have chaos and confusion from time to time that tries to creep our way and the enemy tries to get us upset and throw in a wrench to stop the mechanism of faith in our life. And that's what he wants to try to do is to get you discouraged so that you'll not release your faith in the operation and the ability of the word. The Lord hastens to his word to bring a performance to you and to I in my life. We are having encounters all the time. Sometimes we just don't recognize them. There are angels that are encamped around about you right now. And they are overseeing some of the things that God has sent them to do specifically for you. You have no idea how many times that they have saved your life. And then there are some times that you might know that they saved your life. I was traveling on a highway going back to my residence and when we lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Diane was in Amarillo, Texas, which is our home, where we were both basically raised. 
or where she was raised all of her life. I was raised in Fort Worth and Amarillo in between the two. But anyway, she had gone home for Thanksgiving and my, my job and my business was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I'd gone to Albuquerque where my parents lived. Taking, we took Diane to the airport and then I, uh, I went and this was before I'm born again. So this is BC. <laughs> so I had gone to a nightclub and uh, met one of my friends there and we had a few drinks together and I left and uh, was on my way home and I fell asleep at the wheel. We had just bought a brand new, first brand new car, a 1967 Firebird. Man, it was hot. I'm telling you, it was hot. It was a standard shift and boy, she would fly. And so I was barreling down the highway and I went to sleep at the wheel right on the top of the hill. And on this side, it was, there was no protective guards or anything else. If you went off the road, you just tumbled down the mountain. On the other side, there was a ditch. There was a, a, like a bar ditch type thing in the middle and the other highway was up here. I was down here and it was up here. There was a bar ditch in between. So, my tire slid off the side of the road and I heard the gravel and it woke me up. Well, when it woke me up, uh, I tried to get the car back up on the road, but it had dipped over the, the asphalt and, it, and I couldn't get it back up. So I had one of two things to do. Either flip the car or just head straight for the bar ditch and in front of me was a big hole. Well, when I hit the hole, I flipped over and over and over and over and over in the car because I was doing about 80-something miles an hour. And I woke up in the car, and I was in the back seat of the car. The centrifugal force was so, so much that it pulled me out of my shoes, pulled my glasses off of me, and I ended up in the back seat of the car. I looked around the car and there wasn't a piece of glass left in the car. I didn't have my seat belt on and that was a good thing because the top of the car had caved down on my side of the car, had caved down past the steering wheel, pushed the steering wheel down into the floorboard. So I would have been killed instantly. But this was before I was born again. But later on I realized there must have been something that jerked me out of that front seat other than just centrifugal force. You just have no ideas when, when you entertain angels unaware in your life because he had something greater for me to do and I was just a young man, you know. And so I said all that to say this, all I got on me was some scratches on my arm where the glass shattered all over my body and my face and everything else. And that was about it. My body was twisted around and I was very sore. But nothing else happened. That's all that happened to me. The people that took me in the ambulance uh, were just amazed. The uh, highway patrolman said, I, I hate to say this to you, but I've got to issue you a citation. And I said, what for? He said, for reckless driving. 
He said, I'll see you at the hospital. He says, you better be thankful because you're still alive. He said, you should be dead. Shouldn't be issuing any checks or tickets. I said all that to say this to you. The thief is up for stealing, killing, and destroying. He doesn't care how he does it. He doesn't care how he gets you discouraged. He doesn't care how he can mess in your life. He'll just mess in your life if you allow him to. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in charge. You're in charge of your life. You are in charge of your life because he's given you all the tools that are necessary to live in this life in godliness and in your natural being. You have the right to control your eternal destiny because you've made a plan that Jesus has already secured for you. Amen? That's a supernatural encounter with God of the God kind of order. You're His and He's yours. He wants you to enjoy life and enjoy life to the fullest. Third John 2 says, Beloved above all things, I want you to prosper and I want you to be in health. Even as your soul prospers, your mind, your will, and your emotions coming into alignment with what the will and the Word of God is. Well, I want to share with you an encounter that happened in the Old Covenant. And we'll set it up. You can turn to Exodus, if you would please, chapter number 14. Exodus, chapter 14. But I want to set this up for you. Children of Israel have been in bondage for 430 years. Now you would think, after knowing who God was, experiencing the encounters of God prior to their being in bondage and everything else, you would have thought that within that 430 years that they would have already cried out to God. But it doesn't say that. They waited until they were fed up with being fed up. They were tired of being sick, broke, disgusted, and frustrated with life. And finally, they cried out unto the Lord. Now, sometimes that sounds like some Christians to me. That they wait until the last second before they decide they're going to get things corrected and call on the Lord to help them. You know, all you got to say is help. I mean, it doesn't take a whole... You know what? Being a Christian is a lot more simple than what we've made it. Jesus said, it's the simplicity of the gospel that you need. Let's keep it simple. Let's don't make it complicated. Let's don't make it hard. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. And we don't have to try to fix it and try to make it blend and get a gray out of it. There's Your yes needs to be yes and your no needs to be no. God says, do this, I'll do this. If you'll do that, I'll do that for you. That's his promise. 
to keep things on a proper scale so that he can respond to your faith that you have in your life. How many of you know when you got faith in your life? It was not when you got born again. That's the wrong answer. You got faith when God put you in your mother's womb. He created you in his image and in his likeness. Ephesians says, it's by grace that you're saved through faith. How did you get through faith? How did you get the faith to go through to get born again? It's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. So you and I received what we needed when we got born again, and we just needed to activate it. How many of you have ever gotten a cell phone, gotten a computer, gotten any kind of a a digital instrument? You have to activate them. Anybody ever gotten a credit card? God forbid. (laughs) Have any of us gotten credit cards? Certainly we have. And you have to activate them. How do you activate them? You just simply make a telephone call, right? Or you go into a computer, another instrument that's already established and set up, and you put in the information, and they help you to finalize and activate whatever it is that you have need of. Same way with your computer. You have to go through things to set your computer up, set your telephone up, and everything else. Well, you and I, it's the same way. God wants you and I to activate what he's already given to us. He gave us the faith to get born again. He gave us the faith that will sustain us in life. He gave us the faith to get deliverance from the things that we've got bound by, that we allowed ourselves to enter into. He gave us everything that we need. He gave us the faith to get healed. He gave us the faith to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He gave us the faith to cast out devils. To speak with new tongues. To magnify and to glorify Him, everything that we do should be done by faith. It is a constant, should be for the Christian, should be a constant encounter with the Lord. How many of you believe that you're a sheep, you know His voice and you follow His voice? Well, I don't know the Lord's voice. Well, why don't you know the Lord's voice? He says you know His voice. How many of you have ever had this little gut feeling? This little internal voice that says, you need to be doing this. Or no, you don't need to do that. Anybody ever had anything like that? Well, the Lord's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get my attention. Well, for 430 years, the Lord was trying to get the children of Israel's attention. Finally, he got their attention and they cried unto the Lord and the Lord sent them a deliverer. Now, how many of you know that Moses is, is, is like a Jesus? How many of you know God sent us a deliverer too? His name is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He sent him to set us completely free. And it's up to us to enjoy that. Well, the children of Israel had cried unto the Lord. The Lord heard them. And the Lord sent them a deliverer at one point. But then 
in this particular setting, God sent them Moses. Moses was also a deliverer that God had put in a position to be able to lead the children of Israel out. So let's pick it up in chapter number 14. We have a number of scriptures I want to read here. Let's start at verse number 1. And it said, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I want you to get the first part. The Lord spoke unto Moses. Now, how many of you believe Moses heard? Moses heard. He said, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pahath uh, Hiroth, between Migdol and the sea, over against Baal Zephon, before it shall be the encamp by the uh, they shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land and wilderness that shut them in. In other words, he led them out, but now they're backed up. They've got mountains on one side, they've got a sea on the other side, and they've got the enemy on the other side. But how many of you know that while they were in their journey, God gave them a fire by, by night and a cloud by day? How many of you know that by itself should have been an encounter of a supernatural God kind? I mean, a kind of light that burns, but yet never goes out. A kind of cloud that stays and never leaves and shelters and protects the children of Israel. What a God we serve. For rebellious children of Israel, he overlooked when they said, God forgive us, God forgave them, put their sins away as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore, and God never brought it back up to them again. And you and I sometimes... We have the God kind of encounter, and yet there's things in our life that have not been pleasing to the Lord, and we need to get them taken care of. How many of you know you still need to confess your fault? You need to confess your sin, and He's faithful, He's just, to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There's still something that you need to do to be able to maintain a proper relationship with the Lord. Well... They were shut in, and it says in verse number 4, And he said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all the host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and all of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have you done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariots and he took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel and the, uh, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, 
and his horsemen and his army. And he overtook them in camping by the sea beside Pahath-Hiroth uh, before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, they cried out unto the Lord, but they said something completely different to Moses. Isn't it amazing how God sometimes gives us leaders and the leaders take us in different directions and everything is going well for a little while and then all of a sudden people don't like what the preacher is saying anymore. Now it's the preacher's fault. Like we would say, the buck stops at his desk. Everything concerning the church, the buck stops at his desk. That's not true. There's some things that we have to do. And the children of Israel were being taught and being led by the instructions of the Lord himself that was given to Moses. And Moses was doing exactly what God had commanded them to do. You see, God had a plan. You know, there's things that are going on in our earth right now. The war that is going on in the Ukraine and all of the stuff that is transpiring and happening, I want you to know God's not unaware of what's going on. I also want you to know that God is up to something himself. We may not see it. We may not understand it. We may not understand why there hasn't been intervention and everything else. But listen, God is the God of the 1159.59. I said that a couple of Sundays ago. You never know what God is up to and what he is doing. He never does anything exactly the same way twice. He's up to something. I don't know what that is, but I know this much. We need to keep our eyes lifted towards heaven. We need to lift up our eyes and look into our our help. Our helper is the Lord. He's the one that's going to bring us out of this all of this circumstance and situation, well, how many other people have to die? I don't know. I have no idea. But it does not matter at this point. Certainly it matters because lives are being lost. But the fact of it is, is you don't have the solution. I don't have the solution. And I don't know why certain people aren't doing certain things. But yet, nonetheless, God is in control. And you and I are in control. And it is up to you and I to make the decision to just move forward. Amen. Press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We need to press in to the hour that we're in. This chaos and confusion will not stay. And if anybody ought to be operating in peace, it ought to be the children of God. We need to let the peace of God that passes all understanding rule our heart and our mind, even in the midst of chaos and confusion. I don't know what you're going through physically. I don't know what you're going through financially. I don't know what you're going through, uh, you know, socially or anything else with, with people around you. But it does not matter if you get focused on the Lord. If you'll just follow after him and follow his word, his word will take you into the victory lane. 
We are winners. We are more than conquerors. We always triumph in the Lord. In order for me to fail, Jesus would have had to fail. He didn't fail. He is my commander in chief. And if he says march, we march. So Moses has gotten them to agree. They went with him. They end up in a situation that looks bleak in the natural. But God. They're about to witness a supernatural encounter. They were already witnessing a supernatural encounter. But they're about to be delivered from the bondage once and for all. And he tells them so. Moses tells them so. Let's pick it up now. Let's go to verse number uh, uh, 13. uh, No, let's see. Verse number 11. And they said unto Moses, Because there are no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us a way to die in the wilderness. This is what they're saying. The children of Israel, this is what they're saying to Moses. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Now, that should have been some encouraging words. The God that led you out with a cloud by day and a fire by night, he's still moving. And it may look like that you're backed up, but you're not. You're not really backed up because God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And that's what God's going to do for you. That's what he's going to do for me because Jesus has secured everything for us. All the crooked places have been made straight. All the rough places have been made smooth. I know what it looks like, but you can't go by what you see. Because if you just look at what you see, it will determine the activity of your life. You can't be moved by your senses. You have to be moved by faith. The just shall what? Live by faith. Then he goes on and he says, he said, the Lord shall fight for you and he shall hold and you shall hold your peace. In other words, he's trying to get them to not talk to one another. Because you know what you Christians will try to talk you out of the things of God. And I mean, they're good meaning Christians. They, they don't mean wrong or anything else, but sometimes You know, if they're not in the same faith walk that you're in and walking at the same level that you're walking in, they may try to get you to deter and go from a different different direction than what God has given you to go. And they may be your best friend. And they certainly might be some of your family. 
And so he's trying to get them to stand still. Stand still. Stand still. Zip your lip. Zip your lip. Be quiet. Give honor. Give respect to God. God's going to deliver you. Just keep your mouth quiet. I think that's a good point. There's sometimes we just need to zip it. I like what one brother was preaching. And he was talking about the children of Israel at Jericho. And he said, the Lord said, shut up and march. (laughs) Sounds like my drill instructor when I was in the military. Except he didn't say it with those nice, kind words. Under no circumstance. No circumstance. Joseph, you remember whenever you were in the service. You know how how the service goes. The ranking officer can pretty much say whatever he wants to say. If he says sit, you sit. If he says stand, you stand. If he says jump, you jump. If he says shut up, you shut up. You better. My drill instruction when I was in boot camp had the foulest mouth of anybody I had ever heard. I thought I knew all the words. But I learned some new words. And he called us everything under the under under heaven. And he he ate garlic every morning. He did it on purpose because he'd stand nose to nose with you. And he would talk to you. Oh my goodness. It was the worst smell that you could smell. But he did it intentionally. Anyway, after we graduated from boot camp, some of us young guys, this is BC again, before I became a Christian, and we went to a bar where we knew that this uh, drill instructor would be, and we met him there, and uh, four of us, my friend, three of our, my friends, we, we met him there, and we asked him why he was so hard on us. Why were you so hard on us? And he said, What you don't understand is when you're in the fray, when you're in the battle, you have to learn to obey your commander's voice immediately because lives are at stake. If he says hit the ground, don't ask why. Or don't just stand there. You hit the deck because other people's lives are at stake, including your own. He said, we just tried, I tried to get you to obey my voice on every command. And that's why I want to save your life. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to save our lives. Sometimes we question and we say, why, Lord? Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? Why has that happened? Sometimes it's just better just to zip and listen. And get the instruction from heaven so that you can get the direction that God wants you to have. Well, that's what was happening with the children of Israel. He said, the the Lord's going to fight this battle for you. Just stand still and observe 
watch and see. See what the God what God will do. See what He's going to do for you. Be an anticipation and expectation of what God is going to do for you in your life. He's ready to do exploits in your life. He wants to do the unusual, the extraordinary, the supernatural for you and I. Those of you that are waiting for healings in your life, the Lord wants to manifest those in your life. He wants to manifest them. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that you be in health. Health. He does, but in order to be in health, you got to get healed. And he's a healer too. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And anything that kills, steals, and destroys doesn't come from the Lord. Are you still with me? Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. What did he tell Moses to do? He told him, he said, Moses... Divide it. You divide it. Point that, that staff that you got in your hand, point that staff towards that Red Sea. You point that staff. And God will do the rest. Sometimes all it is is just an act of you just doing something that the God, God's told you to do. Naaman was asked to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. He said, why couldn't I go to Farfar? Farfar was a clean, brilliant uh, uh, water, very beautiful. The river he told him to go dip in was nasty and dirty. All he had to do was go. And dip. One, two, three, four, five, six, and man, it ain't working. It's just not working. Come on, one more time. One more time, and he was cleansed of his leprosy. A simple act. A simple act. All he had to do was dip. What was hard about that? A little handmaid had to come to him and tell him, because you're in such a high and mighty position and everything else, and you have such rank and honor of who you are and what you do, you won't listen to what the man of God told you to do. All he told you to do was go to the nasty river and dip seven times, and you'd lose that leprosy. He listened to her when he probably wouldn't listen to anybody else. He wasn't listening to God, but he listened to that little girl. And he went and he dipped and he got what he needed. And then after that, he worshipped. He should have worshipped before he ever dipped. We ought to start praising him before it ever happens. 
Amen. Because literally it already has happened. We just need it to manifest. Amen. The provision is already there. And it's up to us to reach out and to receive what the hand is offering to us. He said, but he lifted up the rod and he stretched out his hand over the the sea and divided it. And the children of Israel shall go on uh, dry ground through the midst of the sea. Another supernatural encounter. I mean, they had the fire by night, the cloud by day. They saw what Moses was commanded to do by the Lord to stretch forth the rod. They saw the rod be stuck forth. They saw it and they witnessed the waters part. Now, I know that in the Ten Commandments, you saw it just go. And there it was. Just in a matter of just a few moments, it parted. That's not what happened. Let's read and see what happened. And I behold, I, uh, I will harden the heart of the, the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all of the host, upon his chariots and upon his horse, horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which uh, went before the camp of Israel, removed and went before uh, behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came, and he, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light uh, by night uh, to these so that the one came not near the other all night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused, and the Lord caused. What did Moses do? He stretched out his rod, and it says, and the Lord caused an east wind. He caused an east wind, another supernatural encounter. He caused an east wind to do what? He caused the, and the, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. How long did it take? All night. Now, aren't you glad that Kevin and Penny didn't get to talking. <laughs> Honey, I just don't understand. We're backed up. We're going to die here. Look at, look, look at Moses. He's just taking his rod. That's all. He's just taking a rod. And he's sticking it over at the Red Sea. And he's standing there. He's just standing there. He's standing there. What is the matter with him? This man has lost his mind. We're about to lose our life. And he sticks out a stick. (laughs) Kevin says, zip it. (laughs) Zip it. I'm not receiving that. I'm not receiving. Honey, 
Moses has taken us this far. He just told us just a little while ago that God was going to fight for us. And he was going to deliver us from the, the, the Philistine. I mean, from not the Philistine, from Pharaoh and all of his armies and everything. He is going to take care of the matter. Let's just watch and see what the Lord will do. And so you watch all night long and all of a sudden you see the parting and it opens up a huge wall of sea. And then the Lord says, now it's time to go. Now it's time to go. What if, honey, what what if we get into it and it collapses on us? What are we going to do? I can swim. It wouldn't make any difference. The force would be so great. But that's not what happened. And the children of Israel went in the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. Now listen, I want to tell you something. That wind had to be something else. To part the water and to dry up the soot. You know what's at the bottom of the ocean? You know what's at the bottom of a lake? It takes it weeks and months to dry out. And the Lord did it overnight. All the way across to the other side. Now, wouldn't you say that was a God kind of encounter? That was a God kind of encounter. Well, if God is no respecter of person, I don't care what your problem is, what my problem is. We need to stand still. After we've done all that we know to do, he said, stand. 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 Stand still and see what God will do for you. He's the God of the more than enough. He hasn't lost the menu for anything. If he needs to feed you, he hasn't lost the recipe for manna yet. He knows how to get it to you. He knows how to get uh, the fowl of the air to feed you if necessary. If you need some money, he may tell you to go fish. And the first fish you catch, that's a good thing to know that you're going to catch one. The first fish that you catch, open up his mouth and there's all that you're going to need. Oh, that can't be real. Sure, it's real. Sure, it's real. That's the reason they call you crazy. That's the reason they call you Jesus freaks. That's the reason they call you unstable. I mean, we got people that walk around talking to themselves. Whenever I was... Living up north, our city was known for people that really had mental problems. And they had many housings and places for them. And they walk around the city talking to themselves. Talking about them being God, being Jesus. All that kind of stuff. They weren't talking to Jesus. They were talking about they were that. 
But they were talking to themselves. But some of you go around talking to yourself, don't you? Don't you call those things that be not as though they are? Well, I don't do it out loud. I don't want anybody to hear me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Calling those things that be not means that you speak to them. Speak into this mountain. Be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea. Don't doubt it in your heart, but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass and you'll have whatsoever you say it. It's up to you. It's up to, it's up to me to have the God kind of encounters. And so the children of Israel, they observed, they watched, they saw it. It came to pass. They went over to the other side. And then what did God tell Moses to do? I'm not going to read the rest of it. You can read the rest of it. He said, Moses, he said, uh, they're following you. They're in the midst of everything. And it's time for you to use that rod again. He said, if you'll stick out that rod, he said, I'll close it. Just like it opened, I'll shut it. Except this time, it didn't take all night. It just... And they saw their bodies being washed ashore. He said, you'll be delivered from them forever. Forever. So Sister Miriam, she gets her timbrel. And she gets a few of her fans and they began to worship the Lord and sing unto him and make melody in their heart to the Lord for his great triumphant victory. But I'm telling you, Jesus has already accomplished everything you and I need uh, have, need in life and you and I need to be praising him now. Amen. When we, when we enter into praise and worship, man, we're doing battle. We're warring in the Spirit. It's, it's not just singing the song. It's the words of those songs. It's, it's the heartbeat of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you and what Jehovah has satisfied in the gavel of justice for you and I. We're singing the great, wonderful things of the Lord and we're prophesying to Him. And He said, if we will profess and we will decree a thing, it'll come to pass. We can do it in music. We can do it in, in, in other venues of life. But we can do that. Can you say amen? amen? Open up your Bibles. Just got a few minutes left. I want to go to the last one. It's found in the New Testament. Matthew. Are you getting anything out of this? Is this helping you? I, I know that you've heard, you've heard all of these things. But sometimes whenever we're in the fray, we're in the midst of the battle. We're faced with circumstances and situations. It's hard, it's, it's hard to, to see everything that's going on. And many times our mind, if we're listening to the wrong voice, our mind is being built up and it's made bigger. Have you heard of little mohills being made into mountains? Whenever the problem is not, but a mohill. Let's take care of the mohill. Let's don't create a mountain out of it. So we find a situation here. We have Jesus. Jesus has just 
fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, sent his disciples to go to the other side, and he goes up into the mountain to pray. So while he's in prayer, a storm comes up out on the water, and Jesus sees it. And he decides, well, I'm just going to go, and I'll find my disciples and see what's going on with my disciples. And so as he is walking out on the water to go to his disciples, the wind is very boisterous and it is moving. And picking up in chapter number 14, Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse number 22. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. Now where did he tell them to go? He told them to go to the other side. What was Jesus' intent? His intent was that they would get to the other side. Was it not? Why ask somebody to go do something if your intention isn't for them to really make it? Right? This is Jesus talking. Jesus intended for them to get to the other side. That's where he's going to meet them is on the other side. It didn't make any difference whether he was going to walk on the water during the storm or walk on the water when it was calm. Jesus was going to meet them on the other side. That's where he told them to go, and that's where they took out to go. They just simply were following orders. Right? The Lord tells you to pick up that phone and call Sister Susie and say something sweet to her. I don't want to talk to Sister Susie. I'm busy right now. Matter of fact, Sister Susie and I just have fallen out, and I'm not ready to mend the the relationship yet. I don't want to talk to Sister Susie. Let me pray about it, Lord. You're talking to the Lord. He's just got to telling you to pick up your phone and call Sister Susie. I I wouldn't tell him I'm going to pray about it. I think I would just do it. Let her do it. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when he was, the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed uh, with waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. How many of you know that is uncommon? How many of you know that's not natural? It's not natural. How many of you have ever gone swimming? How many of you jumped into the water? Did you stay on the top? Did you just bounce off of the surface? Nope. What did you do? It just sucked you under. Right? Well, Jesus is walking on the water. Why? Because he could. And better than that, he believed he could. It was no problem for Jesus to walk on the water. Truth of the matter is, it's no problem for you to walk on the water if you have an assignment from Jesus to do it. Just like it wasn't any problem for Moses to stretch out his rod and God caused the east wind to blow. But he needed him to be obedient. 
That's all he needed. And that's all he needs you and I to do is to be obedient. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Why is it that we as Christians, when we see something of a supernatural happening, that immediately we refer to it as something that the devil is doing? Man, all those people speaking in tongues are speaking the tongues of devils. Something that's supernatural immediately is resorted to the devil. God doesn't heal anymore. Somebody gets healed. Well, that wasn't God. Who was it? Remember, he steals, he kills, and he destroys. But God gives life. When Lazarus came out of the grave, who did it? Jesus did it. Jesus called into Abraham's bosom. Lazarus was dead, wasn't he? Been dead for four days. Martha said, if you roll the stone away, master, he stinketh. What does stinking have to do with what Jesus is about to do. Jesus wasn't concerned whether he stank or he didn't. Doesn't say that he was. He didn't turn to him and said, oh, that's right. Been dead four days. Should have gotten here the first day. He wasn't concerned about that. That didn't have anything to do with anything. And he walks, the Bible says, and Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because Lazarus was dead? No, because he told his disciples, we're going to go. He's just sleeping. We're going to go. God's going to get some glory here. Holy Ghost is about to show off. Mr. Suddenly is showing up, and I'm going to be there when he's there, and we're going to see something supernatural. So he wasn't crying because of Lazarus. He was crying because the people didn't get it. You know, one time he turned to his disciples, how long am I going to be with you? When are you guys going to get this? When are you going to get it? Man, I'm doing supernatural things. I mean, he just fed the 5,000. How quick they forgot. They were just out just a few hours out from the, a supernatural event that just transpired and happened. And the first thing they said, gee, that looks just like Jesus, but it's a spirit. And they were afraid. How many of you know fear activates the devil? Faith activates God. Are you still with me? And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, verse number 26, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. It said the disciples. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, he said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, 
Now listen to me. When Jesus went into the wilderness, the devil tempted him and he said, If thou be, if thou be, if thou be. Peter said, If it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. If it's really you, if it's really you, Lord, then you're the miracle worker. Bid me to come out of the water. I can't walk on water. I can swim in it. I'm a good swimmer. But I'm not a good walker on water. But if it's really you, bid me come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. Come on. Now, Peter took him up on it. Philip, the Bible says that Peter stepped out of the boat, stepped out of the boat he was in. And he got on the water. Solid. And he's walking on the water going to Jesus. Now, we've got 11 other guys sitting in the boat, disciples, followers of Jesus, witnesses of the supernatural things that Jesus did. Now they're seeing an encounter of a God kind. Peter is walking on the water. My question is, is what are the guys doing in the boat? What are the guys doing in the boat? That's what they're doing in the boat. They're talking to one another. Oh my God, look at that. He's really walking on the water. But look at the waves. Look at them. Thomas, look at it. Oh, doubting Thomas. Listen, guys. Something's up here. This is not, something's not right here. He's a good fisherman, but he's not a, he's not, he's not a, a, a water walker. Peter is not a water walker. I'm sure Peter could hear all of this stuff that they're saying. He's walking on the water and he was doing just fine until he looked at his circumstances. Because it doesn't say they were talking. That's just what I think. That's according to Pastor Phil. I think they're back there talking and they're, they're, they're encouraging him. Go, Peter, go, go. Yeah, yeah. That, that's great. But what? You, come on, this can't be real. And he listened to something and he got distracted and he began to see the winds boisterous around him. And it says, and beginning to sink. You don't just begin to sink when you go in water. It's just... <laughs> Remember when you jumped in? It just sucked you up. But he began to sink. And he looks up, and there's Jesus. And he said, Lord, help! 
and he stuck out his hand, that means, Philip, he's sinking right in front of, he made it out to Jesus. And he's sinking. Lord, do something. He hadn't got anything to work with. He says, help. He reaches out and grabs him, brings him back up. After he got him up, he rebuked him. He said, Peter, you had little faith. But I want to ask you the question, what did they have in the boat? El zero. No faith. None of them got out of the boat. Jesus didn't say, Peter, come. He just said, come. All of them could have got out of the boat that day if they wanted to and experienced the supernatural, but they decided to let somebody else test it out first. Doesn't that sound like church folk? Pastor, we're with you, brother. We are behind you. My question as a pastor was, how far behind me are you? You're supposed to be along my side. Side by side, hand in hand, we take the land. Listen, God's going to do some supernatural things in this church. He's already doing things. But there's going to be some manifestations that are going to absolutely blow your mind. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The dumb will speak. The lame will walk. The diseased will be healed and delivered permanently. And it will never attached itself to their bodies again. Supernatural encounters and intervention, just like what happened with Moses and the children of Israel and with Jesus and Peter. Now I want you to know, to finish out the story, and we're through. The Bible says that they went back to the ship Now, I don't know how far out Jesus was, but however far out they were, they walked back together to the ship. And the wind was still boisterous. The circumstances were still the same. There was nothing different. And they walked back. Jesus did not give him a piggyback ride. He walked out that far, and he was to continue and walk back. And when Jesus got into the ship, the Bible says, and the disciples fell at his feet and worshiped him. Oh, how sweet. It's a wonder that Jesus didn't sit them all up and straighten them all out right there on the spot. I said, come, where didn't you come? I mean, the one that leaned upon his breast is still sitting in the ship. Beloved John, he's still there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
Thomas. They're all still sitting in the ship. Let's don't wait until he gets back in the boat. Let's get out of the boat. Let's walk in the supernatural. That's when we get supernatural encounters. That's what happened to Paul and Silas in the jail, wasn't it? They had a supernatural encounter with the Lord. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading and hearing about the supernatural things that's going on at Heritage of Faith. Not only inside the house, but outside the house. Because you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. You're going to cast out devils. Oh, Pastor, I don't have a deliverance ministry. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. I'm not called to cast out devils, man. Why not? Are you afraid of them? There was a time I was, but I learned not to do that. Amen? Thank you.